Hey, CT family, welcome to the Healing Place podcast. I'm Brian Hackney, the director of the Healing Place. And whether you heard about us on the weekend services or someone shared this episode, we're glad you're here. Welcome home. I'm so glad you found your way to this podcast. I'm so excited about this episode. So many people struggle with depression. I know I have. And if you haven't, I believe you will at some point. The question is, is it event-driven or situational depression? Or has it become chronic or clinical? Are you stuck? In today's episode, Spoonie and Glenn and I talk about practical ways you can face your depression. We've all heard the things, you know, we need to exercise, you need good nutrition, you, you don't need to isolate. But many times we just can't do those things or we won't do those things. I believe you're here today because you know you need help. And if I'm just challenging you, if you will listen to the tips that we give on how you can combat your depression, you can be healed. Hey, Galena. Hey, Spoonie. We're hey. back. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Hey, Spoonie, I'm so glad you're with us, man. man I'm so glad to be here. Although so we're social distance, it's all of good. Course. I just love yeah. hugging this man. He gives good hugs. Absolutely. So here we are in week three of the mental health series, and Toby has been doing such a good job, you know, talking about the thorn and talking about anxiety and now depression. And then next week, I can't wait, we're going to be talking about shame. And I hope to mm-hmm. really, really reframe the garden story that we've all heard a hundred times and maybe mm-hmm. give another spin on that. But, you know, in these, you know, obviously Toby does a great job um, when he covers these topics on Sundays. But if anybody's ever done any kind of speaking deal, you, you got to be really, really good to say anything in 20 to 25 minutes, which is what he does. This guy's a master at saying yes, a is. lot of stuff and just, you know, I would just be getting started rambling around in 20, 25 minutes. <laughs> and then there's a reason why I'm not up there. But but we wanted to go in depth because up there, I always say, you know, Toby's stuff can be motivational. It can be inspirational. It can be educational. That's, that's about what he has time to do up there. But it's not transformational. Now, hear me. I'm not saying he doesn't give us some new paradigm shifts and these aha revelatory moments that God does something in there. But transformation is a process. And we talked about it. It means we've got to embrace pain. We've got to work with it. We've got to sit in it. And, and, and so transformation, people say, well, come on, God, transform me. God, I would say, has done his part, but I'll say he is, is doing his part. We have to engage with God in the work. And so, man, talking about depression today, this is something that to be transformed and to get through depression, we really, to be transformed, we really have to do things that honestly, by definition, become almost impossible when you're depressed. Like the whole get it from the gut, I can't. Go exercise. I don't feel like it. Eat well. Right. Heck no. I want to go have, you know, a, a case full of donuts, you know, or, or what have you. So <laughs> it's very, very, don't isolate. Uh, really? Really? Don't isolate? That's all I'm going to do when I'm depressed. And so I'm going to say it again. To be to, to get some success in this area, mm-hmm. I, I'm just truly, I'm just, we're going to talk about some practical ways that people have battled depression and, then, and gotten through it. And I'm going to share my own personal testimony during this one. But I would just challenge people, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And if you can't get it from the gut and do it yourself, then get someone to help hold you accountable because there's not going to be some idea that's going to get you undepressed, right? 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but then we have to put what we think into practice with our bodies. So after saying all that, we have seen a dramatic increase uh, in depression. And you know, I didn't, we, we talked about this with anxiety and I didn't go off as much as I probably should have on social media. You know, that documentary, The Social Dilemma, yes. uh, was really eye-opening. But, but hear me, this is, and this is not just about the, the evils of social media. Our brains were not wired for the amount of information, mm-hmm. the amount of comparison, mm-hmm. the amount of stimuli, period, the amount of bad news. It just, we weren't wired for this, okay? And the data, we intuited it was a bad thing to be on social media like we were, but now the data is catching up. And science is clear. We're we're breeding anxiety. We're breeding depression. So let me just say, or just ask, have you guys seen? You know, nationally, we know the the statistics are more and more and more people are struggling with depression. Are you? Excuse me. Are you guys seeing that in in your practice with your clients? I'm seeing some depression. I see more anxiety. Maybe it's easier to talk about because we talk about anxiety a lot. Um, in the depression, I see some depression. I hear some depression. It's okay. for some, it's debilitating, and then there's others who's like, it's just a down day. Okay. Yeah. Let's let, let's talk about that. So so what, what about you, Spoonie? Are you seeing it, hearing it? Yes. Absolutely. In your world. Yeah. Okay. You're so it. so there's a difference between having a down day, which. Mm-hmm. We're all going to, by the way, if you haven't had a bout of depression in 2020, then you're not alive. Right. I mean it. I think everyone has struggled with anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. or both. And it's, I mean, but there's a difference between a down day or a down few days, I will call event driven or episodic, if you will, depression Mm -hmm. or situational depression because... My dog died, or my right. friend's sick, or I lost my job. And the difference between that and a prolonged depressive state where you become non-functional, it's interfering with your life, and uh, it becomes clinical, right? right. Clinical depression. So right. do you want to talk about the difference between episodic uh, depression and clinical depression? So we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about yeah. clinical depression. Okay. good. good. So like you think about the word depressed, it's a pushing down. So you think about it, your mood's down, your motivation is down, your appetite is down, your energy level is pressed down. So it's depressed, right? And you think about that. And so let's say, so I think that the DSM-5 is saying like when you experience like not able to function depressed for two weeks, that's when it becomes clinical depression. I think there are others who will diagnose it like that's a big spectrum, right? From a down day, grief, you know, how, how much can you bounce? And that's what we talk about a lot of time. Can you bounce back? And how long does it take you to bounce back? And so you have to look at like, um, the frequency of your down days. You have to look at the intensity of it. Um, and then how long does it last? And so those are all the criteria you will look at to, to put it in the category of diagnosing for depression. Wow. That's good. So you just made me think. So when we talked about uh, anxiety in our last Mm -hmm. episode, I think they said that, so they have their little checklist Mm -hmm. to look for. Do you have a generalized anxiety disorder or panic mm-hmm. disorder, or right. do you just have just like normal anxiety? And they, they 
take this criteria and they basically said out of like, I think they said out of 180 days, you have to have like all of them for at least 90 days of the 180. Wow. So it's, so, so it's, we don't need, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, we don't need to just panic that, oh no, I've got panic and anxiety disorder or, oh no, I've got clinical depression. If right. we're having a down day, a down right. season, right? Right. That right. We're, we're meant to experience grief. We're, right. And, and again, in the, in the West, we don't mm-hmm. like to embrace grief at all. We right. want everything to be roses and sunshine, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So some with depression, you ask about how are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to look at like, are you sleeping? Are you sleeping too much? Sometimes with depression, like you just can't wake up. Mm-hmm. And other times you can't sleep at all. Um, you ask about weight gain or weight loss with depression. I know I had a bout of depression like 15 years ago and I literally could not eat. And I lost like, I don't know, 15 pounds in seven days, something like that. Oh. And people are like, wow, you look good. And I'm like, it's Satan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is depression. This is not, this is not healthy. Yes, right. Like this is not healthy. <laughs> and so, yeah, looking at all of those things to determine like what's yeah. going on. And again, I like the word bounce. Are you bouncing back? What so does that look like? Bef- before we get into like some of the because our brain chemistry is off. When people say, oh, I'm afraid, and it will come back yes. to, again to medication. But when they're saying, like, I'm afraid to take medication because it may alter my brain. Well, newsflash, your brain's already altered. I mean, right. with the chemical ruts that are dug in your brain during depression, the loss of neuroepinephrine, the, the, the loss of serotonin, the, the loss of... Dopamine. Dopamine, mm-hmm. yeah. And... I mean, if you're, if I'm just going to say it, if you're depressed and you're not having sex with your spouse, then your <laughs> oxytocin is also dropping. I mean, all, I mean, those are, those are chemicals that are released right. in the mm-hmm. brain, um, yes. to help you, you know, feel pleasure. Right. right. And so it's a real thing. Brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we're the sum total of our brain chemistry at any given time, but somehow we've been taught that if you're struggling or have you ever heard this, that if you're struggling with depression, then somehow you're doing something wrong and maybe even you're not pressing into God enough. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Do we, have we put a stigma in the church on mental health in general, but especially depression? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're really away from God if you're depressed because mm-hmm. shouldn't the joy of the Lord be your strength? <laughs> right. So absolutely. I think that that's been, come on, Tony. It's, it's funny how you say that because um, I was born and raised in church my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, Yes, when, you know, hearing Glenda say that she battled that, I too battled it because you start feeling like, you know, hey, if I'm not pressing into God enough or I'm not getting through this depression Mm -hmm. or I'm not getting through this feeling, then God, do you even hear me? Mm -hmm. And so just going through, I had to learn. And that's one of the things that I really, really, really try to get my clients to see is that God works when we've heard that he works in mysterious ways, but a lot of times we don't hear that he works through people mm-hmm. and he don't, and that he works through people that loves us. So therefore what I start realizing is that God started connecting me with people mm-hmm. and he started allowing me to, to meet people and people, which we call community now. Mm-hmm. And so through that, I started learning, wow, this is God mm-hmm. because when you're praying you're kind of expecting him to just come out the sky. That was just me. Here you go. <laughs> and there's hoping. a voice. Yes. You're hoping. That he just comes and he just, you know, takes this away. But I start noticing that he was bringing people in my life mm-hmm. 
that I had fun with or that during that time they were just a person I can count on, you know, right. or I can lean on. So right. God will use, and just that's, you said it about, about Toby and about, you know, when I met you guys and when I came to Cross Timbers, that's, that was the one of the things that just blew my mind was like, wow, wow. I have a church family that are, they're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. They're being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just walking through those steps, then you go, oh, wow, I'm out of this. You know, I'm, and so the church in certain aspects has made kind of like separated God when God is really there all the time. Right. When I think, I love that. I love that. And the community support. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't stress enough. If you if you want the number one, mm-hmm. the number one thing to avoid depression, because if you're depressed, you you are isolating. Absolutely. You are isolating. Yes, so sure. go tell someone yes. and say, I need help. Yes. And go surround yourself with your community support. Mm-hmm. If you don't have family, if you don't have friends, come to the church. Yes. And if you have family and friends, come to the church, yeah. you know, <laughs> but you need community support. Yes. Uh, And that's the thing about depression, though, like Mm -hmm. because of that self-isolation and typically you withdraw and there's that like you don't have the motivation, like sometimes friends don't know how to interact. And so you may have the community. And I um, jokingly say it's not a casserole disease, Mm. like nobody's going to bring you a casserole when you have depression. Right. right? Mm -hmm. But what if it was? What if we do Mm. know somebody who's suffering from depression and we're like, I'm going to take them a casserole today or go help them fold their laundry or do their dishes or something like that That to just be like, we would do it if they had the flu. I mean, we wouldn't if they had Corona, but (laughs) or COVID, right? (laughs) But if they had the flu or or they had a surgery, we're there, we're doing the laundry, we're helping them pick up their kids and manage a little bit. But with depression, sometimes I feel like it's not there, yeah. even yes. though there may be some community. So having that community yeah. and then yes. being equipped to know how to come along beside you and mm. how to support you is so important. That's so good. It sure is. I, I want to go, before I talk about my own depression, I, I, I kind of want to go on this like rant. I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, or rambling. So, so talking about what I was trying to say uh, earlier with Ross, as we talked about, he, he was talking about how try to avoid um, comparing your pain because your pain mm-hmm. is your pain. And mm-hmm. so the most real pain is is intensely personal. Yes. And and so what I was saying is even though pain is universal and even like losing children, right? That was my deal. There's it's a it's a a smaller club than the parents. I mean than the, the children who are burying their parents. It's usually that's the bigger club. But even though it's a smaller club, it is a fraternity. It is a club. There are other people who have experienced the same thing that we have experienced with the loss of our mm-hmm. with the loss of our son. Um, but so so when I say it's intensely unique, what I mean is you look in and your pain. It's like I'm not thinking about anyone else's because it's not mine. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we're we're kind of selfish that way. We just are. So when I went and got my first, I remember getting my first Explorer back in the day when, we, you know, Jamie and I are young, we having kids. I went and got that blue Explorer, drove it off the lot. And I'm thinking, this bad boy, it's going to be, man, no one's got a shiny blue Explorer like this. My first intersection, I'm looking around, there's a blue Explorer, there's a blue Explorer, there's a blue you. So yeah. again, when you get into, you're having babies now. Wow, I'm noticing strollers everywhere. When I'm not pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not noticing strollers. As soon as I get that white Dodge, now there's white Dodges everywhere. You notice 
the things that you're experiencing in your life, right? And until they are intensely personal, you think you're unique. You think you're the only one. Yeah. Okay, so to that, if, if you will, this overarching theme that I keep coming back to in mental health is avoidance, which makes things worse. So not only when we isolate, you know, when we know we're depressed, so many times we don't even know why we're depressed, okay? So it's easy to say, oh, man, Brian and Jamie lost a child. They're going through grief, and part of the grief is going to be depression, the grief cycle. Okay, that's easy, but let's, let's wait on that. Let's come back to that. What about the people who are depressed and they didn't lose a child? They seem like they got it all going, going on. But then when you get to their childhood, you go back to their family of origin, you find out their parents divorced when they were six. You find out that the girl, biological father died when she was four, that her stepdad abused her, that she was a bad kid. Wait, wait, you're a bad kid? Yeah, I got in trouble in high school. I was promiscuous. I got, I got thrown in jail. Why? Well, I was medicating with drugs and alcohol. Hear me. Of course you were. You were molested. You were abused. Right. Do you hear? The backstories matter. Yes. Being yes. a witness to their story. The backs, yes. And and letting, so letting someone come in. If you're, you're talking about press down, press down. You're pressing down maybe your past. Maybe you're pressing down a truth. Mm -hmm. You yes. know, we talk in the healing place about the lies we believe because of these wounds. They carry with them a message that seems final and true when we're wounded. And sometimes there are lies we believe about ourselves. But other times there's some truths yeah. that we need to be able to tell. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lie about ourselves when, you know, our stepdad says we're never good enough. I'm never good enough. And then I take that into marriage, right? That is depressing. Yes. Thinking you're never good enough. So until I can give you pills and tell you to eat well and go exercise and all that, but until you go back and talk about this deep-seated lie that you've believed about yourself or a truth that you need to confess, right. you're going to be depressed. Yes. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It's, it it's, and it brings me to this point where mm -hmm. when I think about what you said about your son and the passing of him, imagine if you just, because in that moment, it is something that you go, wow, this, this happened to me. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you, you think, hey, how do I move on? Mm -hmm. that where's the hope? Where's the hope? Where's the and hope? you think about it, when that happens, the woman with the issue of blood. Think about it. Has she not pressed and just, I mean, a lot of times we don't dive really into that story, but during that time, she couldn't even be seen in the streets. Yeah, she couldn't be seen in public. Yeah. But she said, I have to press on. And it's funny because when you look at the word depression, mm -hmm. and if you take out the D and the E and the I, you're left with press on. So you found Ooh, a way to press on, so go, Spoonie, and you yeah. just have to <laughs> like because that. in that moment, that's what yes. they want you to do, and that's what I tell mm -hmm. my clients: mm -hmm. is that yes, on. your dad, they probably you know that molestation that happened to you, or and it's now bringing problems into your marriage and all these things. But guess what? That might may have said you weren't good enough, but guess what? You were good enough for someone to marry you, to love you. Yeah, and so it's in those moments that you have to find yourself. Yes, this happened to me, but I am worthy. Mm -hmm. I'm still worthy of something. So it's so beautiful because had you not pressed on, I, I look at it like I may not have been sitting here doing this because yeah. by you pressing on, you were able to tap into me. 
and to talk to me and to and encourage me. Wow. Right. And so yeah. it's just during those times that you go, wow, you know, hey, this is hard. This is tough. But there is a thought that does still fight and go, is there hope, as Glenn was just saying. Yeah. So that's how I like to, you know, look at it in that, mm-hmm. in, in that, you know, idea of it. So thank you. And so I want to talk, because I'm looking at our time, I want to talk about, and then we can come back to some of these practical mm-hmm. steps to help with depression. I want to talk about my experience. Mm-hmm. So when, when Corbin died, the, I mean, you know, his birth, that was a long interesting, you know, story, his, his short life, you know, filled with miracles and prayer vigils and all that, when his symptoms finally caught up with him and he passed away shortly after his second birthday. You know, like I said, there was others out there, but I'm not thinking of them. Right. I'm thinking of me and my life, hope, the reason for living. I mean, I had, I had a wife, I had two other kids, Purpose. but I'm like, my give a crap broke. It broke. Yes. Absolutely. I didn't give a crap. Mm-hmm. You allow yourself to get unhealthy in your mind, in your body, in your spirit. Mm. When your give a crap breaks, you dabble in all kinds of sin because it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Mm. Um, and I lived that way for about three years. And look, so the Greek term for sin is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. So if you're on day one, if you're just off, you know, here's the bullseye and you just miss. But if you go on that tangent for three years, <laughs> you're way off. And you wake up after three years, and I remember kind of like Tom Hanks and in, in Castaway, you know, waking up on that raft and looking around like, I mean, no land in sight. I have no, no idea where I am. And during that time, I was so, like when people, after, you know, three months, tons of family and friends and church support, but three months, four months, five months, not six months, life goes on. And they go back to their business. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. How can, again, how could you guys, I'm not thinking their problems, their life. I'm thinking about me. The most important thing that's ever happened to me happened. The most valuable thing a parent could lose, I just lost in my value system. Is It's like, I'm done. Your world stopped. Yeah. It stopped. And And everybody else was like, yeah. And so to say, okay, Brian, come on, get out there. Just get out there with your friends. You know, just start living again. Go eat healthy. Go out for a run. It's like... I, I won't tell you what I thought when they would say that. Um, I, I couldn't, and I didn't want to. Mm. Yeah. So, but but so there's a part of that that God says, yes, mourn with those who mourn, grieve with those who grieve. Sorrow lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Well, in our culture, we don't do grief well. Don't. We want to avoid. We don't yeah. think about circle of life. We don't think about death. We matter of fact, there's there's a great podcast. It's called Confessions of a Funeral Director. Who taught and and he's with Rob Bell on the Robcast. Anyway, they talk about how in the West we avoid thinking about death, grief, dying, uh, and the the beauty, you know, closure. Who 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 invented that? Maybe we're not supposed to have closure. Maybe we're supposed to move on with the memory, with the scars, with the pain. But can you move on? Yes, you can. So people say time heals. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Time is just more time to be sick. Mm. Mm. Healing heals. Like I know people who've lost children, they're still stuck. They're medicating with drugs, alcohol, relationships, depression, what have you. How do you get through it? Face the grief. Face the grief. Mm. Press into the grief. Yes. And so for me, that looked like telling someone how bad I was struggling telling the mistakes I'd made and how bad I'd screwed up during those years. 
telling God what I thought of him, mm-hmm. being honest. And again, nothing in me said, okay, today I stopped praying, right? But I realized I wasn't talking to God. If he's going to do what he's going to do, why waste my breath? You know, if he's going to, if he's sovereign, he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. Why, why pray? But saying that to him, I felt like, okay, come on, boy. Like I picture the, the, the long arm on my forehead and I'm swinging it out and he's like swinging out and it's like, okay, come here. And he just embraced me and my, my mouth, my language, my heart, everything that was just coming at him. He said, now you're talking, now you're being authentic. Now I knew this heart and I love you and, and we can do this. So it was going through that. And then, you know, yes, physiologically, we, you you have to get up. You can't sleep all the time. Yes, you have to eat nutritious meals. Yes, you have to get your brain, you know, you have to have things released in your brain that are helpful, yes. like endorphins when you go exercise. And so all of those things had to happen. But hear me, I couldn't do them on my own. I had to have people that would come alongside me and help me and hold me accountable and hold my hand to do those. But I had to tell somebody first. Yes. So that community support, I cannot stress. So yes. if you're ashamed because you're depressed or you're ashamed because of all the ways you've screwed up over the last three years because of your clinical depression, you're going to die if you don't tell someone. There was a, a client of mine who sat in the corner of my office. I can still remember how she looked. She had lost a hundred pounds. She was depressed. She was non-functional. And I said, Hey girl, have you considered medication? We're praying, you know, mm-hmm. we're praying for you. We're believing for you. She's reading the scripture. And she's like, God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me. I watched her wither. I watched her wither away to a, just a, an emaciated, non-functional human being. Mm-hmm. And I said, you need to go to the doctor mm-hmm. and I'll help you. Like, do you want to call and make an appointment today? Yes, I do. Okay, let's do that right now. So long story short, she called the doctor. She went in. She got on some medication. Six months later, I kid you not, she walked in my office. I was like, oh my God, her countenance, her physical appearance, everything was dramatically night and day different. She had changed. She owned her own business. Wow. She yes. had, her kids were thriving. She was thriving. She's like, oh my God. And she said, you saved my life. And I'm like, well, the Lord spoke you know, yes. to you through me, but he saved your life. Now hear me, is the girl on medication anymore? And I want to say this loud and clear. God bless you if you remain on medication. Okay. She didn't. She got over the hump. She started putting the things in her life, community support, uh, coming to church, go, you know, daily meditation, daily exercise and nutrition. And that was part of her business that was exploding. And her life changed. Mm-hmm. She didn't need the medication anymore. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to be real careful with that. People say, again, do I need medication? You tell me, right? When your brain chemistry is off, again, it's altered. You need something to help. Exactly. My wife, after we lost my son, she got on uh, Prozac. I'll just tell you. Uh, and you know what? The reason why I say, I mean, the name of the, the, the drug, everybody's got their one that works. Right. It saved our marriage. I believed it saved her life. Yeah. And is my wife on that today? No, she's not. Mm-hmm. But it literally was what she needed. And um, so that's a little bit of my testimony. But the, when I look at all those things, no one thing, I couldn't, quote, get it from the gut to start that process. 
my first step was to admit, dude, I'm broken and my give cap has broken and I've, I've just screwed up in a lot of different areas and I need help. <laughs> I love that. I love the part where you said like you took it before God. You, he was big enough for all of the emotion, like all of the emotion of it. And you took it to him and you didn't hold anything back. You said, bring it all into the light. And you got to receive from him that hope of knowing like, like Christ bore witness to your pain and it was okay. He was big enough for it. I love that. And sometimes I think that's where we get stuck. Like, who do we tell our emotions to? How do we express it? Do we write it down? Do we take it to the Lord? Like, how do we start that process of starting? Just identify the emotion and lament. So good. Give it to him. So I love that you, that was your testimony. Like, I took it to him. There you go. That's good. Took it to him and he held you in his arms. So So good. When people come in, uh, you know, obviously, if there's uh, people that struggle with what I'll call debilitating anxiety and they need to go see uh, a psychotherapist, you know, a clinician, we will refer them out. Yes. If somebody's struggling with an addiction, we'll refer them to a treatment center. If someone's struggling with what we believe is a clinical depression, we will help them consult a physician, right? But what are some practical things that I, I believe we walk alongside them? So we co-labor with that doctor, with that, that you know, with their mental health, their spiritual health. Uh, what are some things that you do that you've seen uh, that will dramatically help someone who's been struggling with depression? So you've already mentioned some of them. Okay. Right? Let's go over them again. Like, okay, so what you eat, mm-hmm. what you put into your body matters. And I wrote something down. Let me see if I can find As she's looking for that, let Tried, me say this. Yeah, go, go ahead. I if don't you're know ready. how to pronounce it. T-R-Y-P-T-O-P-H-A-N. Tryptophan? Tryptophan. You know so what's you need in turkey. To, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so you eat turkey, milk, cheese, seeds, oats. Chickpeas, they will help increase your serotonin a little bit. Mm-hmm. So going for a walk increases your serotonin a little bit. Getting dressed, like get out of bed and like don't just put on the sweatshirt and the the uh, yoga pants, but like dress up, put on your cute shoes. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like yes. go ahead and, and, and yes. it's the catch 22. You don't feel like it. Right. And so you can't wait for the feeling to do so you have to do so you have your behavior you have your emotions and then you have your cognitive stuff going on too talking to and fr- your talking action to, uh-huh. the way it made you feel changes your brain chemistry it exactly. literally makes you feel different and new things are happening in your brain it's, and so if i i'm just listening to you and i'm going to let i'm going to throw it right back to you but when i hear that list i know how many times oh they're starting the list of things i should eat and I'm thinking, Mm-mm. I don't, I don't want to go shopping for that, or I don't like that, or I don't have the money, or whatever. No, hear me. Or like, you need to go outside and do deep breathing every day. Right. Oh, who's got time for that? Or meditation. Who's got? Or just this, stand in the sun. This will save your life. Like yes. vitamin D, yes. eating these things. So I'm telling you, my challenge is, if you're not doing these simple, simple things, mm-hmm. you need to do them. Yes. And if you have somebody in your life who's suffering from depression, you know what? Go knock on the door and say, Hey, I want to go for a walk. And then Brian shows up, hey, you want to go for a walk? And then the next person comes over the next day, hey, you want to go for a walk? Like your community go, you know what, that's depression. Let's go help. Like, hey, look, I just bought a turkey. (laughs) 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 But be there with them in community because there are some cases where people can't will themselves into it. So we're going to be right beside them. Like we're going to be the church with them. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think... 
again, I've, I've said it. So avoidance is making everything mm-hmm. worse, mm-hmm. whether it's mental, physical, spiritual. Mm-hmm. But the neuroplasticity of our brains, again, this is, this is phenomenal new research that they're doing, the showing mm-hmm. how we are rewiring our brains with our thoughts, with our activities. And so, again, just hearing that, it, Ross uh, earlier made the, the statement, like, that's hope-filled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Knowing that your brain will change. So what you're watching on TV, mm-hmm. what you're listening to, what you're meditating about, like what you're thinking about, what you're eating, what you're doing, it all affects everything. And it's yes. so look at it this way. Your brain is the operating system running you. So you've got this Mac and whatever OS X version you've got, it's running that Mac. It's 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 running it. Right. My brain is running me. But here's what's interesting. The software, right? It's being created as I go. Exactly. It's being created as I go. So if I'm doing some positive things yes. right now, the positive brain then is controlling me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can give myself self-defeating, limiting belief thoughts right now, or I can give myself powerful affirmations and yes. mm-hmm. saying things out loud. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. So all those things, like um, like you talked about grief, past traumas, those mm-hmm. things, and then we talked a little bit about like just brain chemistry, because I know there are some people like... Nothing's different in their world. Like there hasn't, like they're just depressed, and it is the brain chemistry. And so for those people, I want to encourage them. Like go see the psychiatrist. Yes. Go see your family physician. I'm partial to psychiatrists because they treat the brain. That's the organ that they specialize in. Um, and take the medication. I got to work the privilege of working with a girl um, with postpartum depression. Y'all, she was doing everything like spiritually healthy, right? Um, She practiced meditation. She practiced taking her thoughts captive. She exercised every day. She was eating a healthy diet. She was in community, but it wasn't changing. And she wanted to try those things first. And she went to the doctor. She started on her antidepressant. And she's like, oh, my goodness. I'm so much better. Like she's herself again. And so I don't know if she'll be on it forever or not, but she had all these things lined out and doing them very, very well. Like, so there was that underlying depression, but she was still managing all those things because she had strong will. Mm -hmm. And then she took the medication and she was like, took it to the next level. Yeah. When you, when you look at anything that's going wrong in your body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, are there some anomalies and some rare situations that that would be the antithesis of this? Yes. Mm-hmm. However, most of the things when things are going wrong in your body, things are showing up, there's mm-hmm. symptoms and mm-hmm. symptoms are like prophets. Mm-hmm. They're you, matter of fact, there's a whole <laughs> cool thing about this the the word symptom being I think in maybe in French anyway, it's it's speaking man. It's a prophet. It's telling you, hey, something requires attention. Mm-hmm. Right. It's telling you something's going wrong. And it's not, oh no, you're doomed forever. Something requires attention for this symptom to show up. So you need to go address something so that this symptom will go away. It's a warning on the dashboard light. It's a dashboard light on the car. So when the warning comes on, you don't tape over it. You don't ignore it. You don't just go, okay, well I guess that light's gonna be on forever. Right. You say, what's going to require attention? What is it that's out of whack? Your body's an amazing thing. Your mind, your body, your spirit. Again, we're integrated beings. Mm -hmm. And if you're not 
looking at it holistically like that, then you're going to miss something. It's trying to get you to do something that you need to do. And I love what you said. Like, again, you're the last thing you're going to want to do is do some of this stuff, right. <laughs> but it's the only thing that will actually work. Right. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Go. Anybody? <laughs> I had, I had several thoughts and it just okay. left my brain. Okay. Well, I have one when you, go, when you spoke and then I've got one. Yeah. the medicine. And you spoke about it, Glenn, mm -hmm. and I think that that's God working, you know, also in one of his mysterious ways is saying, hey, go get medicine. Because now you're aware, because when Glenn just spoke about how the young lady was like, wow, she felt better. Mm -hmm. A lot of times mm -hmm. once we, again, this is my depression, when mm -hmm. you said about when your son passed, when mm -hmm. that happened with mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And... It's funny how you speak about medicine, but the Bible spoke about it as well. In Proverbs, it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Laughter. So, laughter. So my deal Humor. <laughs> is find something to laugh at. Yes. It's your Because in that moment, the depression is yours. You've owned it. You feel sad. Mm -hmm. And in trying to get out of it, it, it sometimes can present itself that there's no way out. Right. But right. you still... Oddly enough, you still are in control. Yes. So you that. can laugh and mm -hmm. find your laughter. Mm -hmm. it, because guess what? It's your depression. Mm -hmm. Right. So find <laughs> so your sense of humor. Find your sense of humor. Surround yourself with people so, who are funny. Yes. Go watch a comic show. Go, yeah. Yes. Go watch your favorite movie. Go, um, if you have siblings, yeah. call someone or a friend. Man, remember when this happened, you know? Right. And that in itself will do wonders for you. Right. Yeah. You said something. We are in control of our mental health. Yes. We get to choose. We think something is yes. going to just, it's happening to me. Oh, yes. no. Mm -hmm. it, just adopting a mindset, being, mm -hmm. I, I can do something about this. I am more in control. That makes you feel a little mm -hmm. bit more powerful, quote, unquote. And so the why. When you said you can get through this because mm -hmm. the very fact that I got through it helped you, yes. it reminded me of a story. So a guy came up to Toby one Easter uh, about, well, now it's been about a decade ago at least. And he said, between Easter services, right? And mm -hmm. Toby's got a few minutes and this guy comes and, you know, obviously he's attracted to what Toby just said. And he said, man, I'm struggling with depression and started into a story. And Toby said, hey, you need to go see Hackney in the healing place. And, and somebody told me, right? So he's like, okay, where is he? Right. One of those deals, <laughs> yeah. somebody connected him with me. I was seeing a couple. He waited for about 10 minutes couple left. He came in. We sat during that second service in my office. He told me about how he had lost his seven-year-old daughter five, five days after a mm. vaccination. Mm. Okay? That's painful. He, it, 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 it wrecked him. He had lost his daughter, and now hear me. Here I was 10 years post losing mm. Corbin. I was not just surviving. I was thriving. I was back to joy. I was living life, but I connected. I related with him. And he said, so his, his marriage, he was separated from his wife at the time. He wasn't working. He, his, he had lost his job, lost his family. He lost everything. He's told me Brian, later, Brian, you sitting there, the fact that you were alive, sitting in that chair, breathing in, breathing out 10 years after your son, told me I can do it too. Wow. Yeah. It gave him hope. The guy's working again. He's remarried. <laughs> wow. Like his life yes. is going well. Now, 
He said, Brian, what you didn't know, he told me this about two years uh, after. He said, I was leaving that, that day to take my own life. I was leaving there to take my own life. I was done. Something had told me to get up. I was, he was staring at the wall of this trailer he was living in, and he came in, and he said, had you not been there... I mean, God uses yes. our story. He uses our pain. And hear me, if we don't develop the resilience... We don't. We can't leverage it. Right. Hear me. We want to right. bubble wrap. We want to avoid pain. We want comfort. But again, avoiding everything. Mm. But when you avoiding does not help you develop resilience. Right. So I'm all about being compassionate. But there's a time where we need to say, when Jesus told the man, "Do you want to get well?" Right. The 38 years right. on his mat. Well, then get up and walk. Right. He's like, "Do you want to get well?" Some people don't want to get well. They want to complain. They want to moan. They want to be a victim. They want you to enter into their pain. Yeah. There's a time to enter into pain and mourn and, and grieve, but there's a time to say, it's time to get up and walk, okay? Yes. And when you do that, think of the why. Now you can give hope to someone else Yes, that's going to need it. Yes. All right. Amen. 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 Pass the butter. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right.